Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. In my continuing quest to bring you blues from around the world, we're travelling not too far now. We're going to Herefordshire, where I'm joined by Troy Redfern. Troy, are you well? How you doing, Kev? You all right, man? I'm, I'm doing fine, thanks. How is it in sunny Redfern? Not sunny Redfern, sunny Herefordshire. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sunny, but um, it's pretty grim <laughs> outside at the minute. It's pretty grim outside at the minute. But is it? No, it's all good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yes. It, it's not been too brilliant recently, has it? Um, no, now, your music is described as uh, combining the rawness of Hound Dog Taylor, the freeform approach of Sonny Sharrock, the firebrand playing of Johnny Winter, and the technique of Dave Hole. All big names. You must be honoured by that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's nice for someone to say something like that, you know. Like, yeah, you know, it is, uh, you know, it's nice that someone thinks that, you know. Um, I'm sure there are other people who think a lot different, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's really nice. It's cool. <laughs> when you were growing up, was that the kind of stuff you were listening to? Yeah, <laughs> you know, so when I was about sort of like fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, till Hendrix and um, Sun House and a lot of blues players, you know, I listened to a lot of that of that music around that time, and well, I still do, but um, and and also bands, you know, around that time, it was kind of like the late eighties, you know, sort of mid to late eighties. So I was listening to a lot of uh, American rock, like Aerosmith and. Van Halen and stuff like that. So there was there was a mix of all sorts of stuff. You know, it wasn't just blues music I was listening to. It was kind of like rock and you know, just just all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I, I sort of um, Johnny Winter. You know, was mentioned in that list, and, and Johnny Winter is absolutely fantastic. You know, he's just a he's a monster player. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Sun House, and I've said on numerous occasions the thing that got me into the blues was hearing Sun yeah. House. And it was just so yeah. different to anything I'd heard before. It was like, what is this? So I had to investigate. Yeah. So was it a yeah. similar thing for you? Yeah, someone lent me a vinyl album when I was, um, again, it must have been around that time, sort of 13, 14. And it was pre-internet days, so, you know, you, you couldn't discover anything. Unless someone lent you an LP or, you know, a cassette tape or something, you know, you, you weren't going to hear it. And, yeah, put that on, and uh, it was just completely, you know, completely different. And and it's still, you know, even though, I've, like, as the years have gone by, you know, I've heard a lot more blues artists from that era. Sunhouse is still the one, you know, I, I prefer him to Robert Johnson, you know, by a, by a mile, personally. You know, I know a lot of people say Robert Johnson's the sort of like the godfather, you know, or the grandfather even of the blues. But, you know, Robert Johnson used to go and listen to Sunhouse and sort of like liberally you know, ripped off a lot of his stuff, you know. So, uh, you know, Sunhouse to me is the is is one of the first, you know. I know there's a, there's a few other sort of guys that around that sort of time, but you know, he, he just feels the most authentic, you know, to me. Yeah, there's a, a real rawness about his playing. With some people, it's a bit yeah. of a marmite thing, you know. Some people love it, some people hate it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. You talk about the Delta Blues there, and uh, a lot of that music was inspired by the environment. And it's, Definitely. Yeah, it, yeah. it's been stated that your music is inspired by the Welsh Marshes. Yeah, you know, it, it is pretty remote up here and it's sort of pretty mountainous. We're just on the sort of like, you know, this is the border where kind of like, you know, you, you go into Wales. So um, especially the, the the last place I lived, which is uh, um, the other side of Hargis Ridge. So obviously, you know, sort of on the edge of Hargis Ridge. You know, and that's before it, get, it all starts getting pretty hilly. And um, I'm sure that has a, definitely has an effect on the... Um, 
on 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 the vibe of your music. You know, I've, I spent a lot of time sort of you know around those walking around those hills and whatnot and whatnot. And uh, you know, it's a bit like Mike Oldfield. Um, didn't he do an album called Hargis Ridge? Didn't he? Well, sort of that I was going to say every day is a school day because I'd always called it Hergis Wrist. Ah, so, yes, Hargis. It's weird. It's a weird one. Um, <laughs> One of my be- one of my best friends is called Alan Hargis, and it's spelled with an E. And and Hargis Ridge is spelled with a with an with an E. So you know that is it's weird. It's you know it's, it's yeah it's strange. Right. I live and learn. Living, I love it. Now <laughs> <laughs> um, I know a lot of musicians get attached to their instruments, but uh, you made a big thing about your twenty nine National Triolian Resonator guitar appearing on your album. Yeah, uh, you're so pleased to have that on there. You you sort of big it up more than the musicians. Yeah, no, I I really I really do love it, you know, but it's that I wrote the album on that guitar really, you know, before I even started sort of doing demos or anything. It was just vocal and and that guitar. And it does it's one of those guitars that, you know, it's it sounds like one of those sort of cliche sort of cheesy things that people say, but you know, instruments do have songs or seem to bring out songs from you, you know, or, or vice versa, you know, and and that, and that one you know, I, whenever I sit down with it, which is a lot, you know, that's one of the main guitars I pick up. There's always something on it. There's always something new, and I, and I you know, I have a specific tuning that I tune it into. Uh, that makes you play a little bit more by ear instead of sort of like kind of in standard tuning. I know a lot of you know, scales or chords or whatnot, but when when I'm in that tuning, it it really puts you back to playing by ear, which I think's you know an important thing to try and get something new. You know, you know, it's very easy when you're standard tuning to go to all the things you know when you pick the guitar up. You know, you start playing things that you already can play or you you're used to playing but that guitar um you know it it kind of forces you to do something a bit different and uh and it's just got so much vibe to it that guitar you know i, I absolutely love it you know so the house is burning down it would be the family the pets and then that guitar <laughs> <laughs> well coincidentally i was looking online the other day for yeah. how to learn slide guitar because my guitar has been tucked away for years and I've promised yeah. numerous times I'm going to get it out and learn. But it's been that long, I've yeah. forgotten everything I know. And yeah. on there, they were saying that the best key to learning is uh, G-tuning. Is that the one you use? I personally wouldn't say that. You know, but there's so many opinions. You know, like I don't know who wrote the article or who wrote the thing. But personally, I would tune to either D, open D or open E. You know, if you wanted to learn to play slide, you know, if you, and you've got a spare sort of electric there, I'd get a set of 11s and tune to tune to open E because you know, a set of 11s and open E, the strings will be nice and tight because the most important thing is to get tight strings, really, because when you put the slide on top of the strings, you don't want the strings bashing onto the frets. You know, you want them nice and sort of tight. You don't have to have particularly high action, but what's really important is you get sort of like some good tight strings. So, you know, you crank it up. So 11s in, in, in open E would be perfect. Or you could go sort of 12s in, in, um, in D, open D. Um, but that would, that would, that's what I would say would be the easiest one or the, the most you know natural one to go to. You can go to G, you know, like open, you know, some people play an open G, but it's different because your the thin string on the top on your twelfth fret isn't going to be your root note. You know, it's not going to be say you're in D, the twelfth note in uh, in in the open D would be D. So that kind of makes a lot more sense. So uh, for for that reason only, I would say sort of just E or D would be the one the way forward. Like I say, every day is a learning day, and uh, right. I'll, I'll take that on board. You mentioned your latest album, and that was recorded at Rockfield Studios, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And reading the blurb about that, yeah, you sound a bit like a, a kid in the sweet shop. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was amazing down there. You know, um, I've, I know I'm not that far from Monmouth, really. So, you no, know, it's one of those studios that I've wanted to 
recording you know since i can remember you know night of the opera and sheer heart attack were massive when i was a kid you know and, and still are you know i love those albums still and i've always loved roger taylor's drum sound on those albums which is purely from those sort of ro- the room sound you know down in rockfield so uh yeah it was just it was an amazing experience it, I, I probably didn't take it in as much as i should have done on you know when i was down there because um I was so focused on trying to, you know, just make sure everything was right and, you know, make sure, you know, I was focused on the playing and the takes and stuff. But it definitely brings out something, you know, that place because because of its heritage and whatnot, you know, it definitely changes your mindset and that knocks on into the takes you do, I think. It makes you, it makes you play better. In the, the blurb that I've got about you, it does say the multi-instrumentalist slide guitarist and producer is one a one-man band who painstakingly pays attention to the minutiae of his tone. So does that extend to the band as well? Yeah, I think I think that that, that what you read is from I think that's probably Pete Feenstra, it sounds like. Um um I think what that is talking about is, you know, everything up until this album I've recorded myself. Um I've got a sort of like a studio and you know, I've I've done literally everything. I've sort of recorded it, you know, produced it, uh, played everything on it. Um so that's what he's talking about there. Um but with the new album it was completely the opposite to that. You know, I got a producer in, you know, I got the best musicians I could get, you know, to play the sort of like the rhythm section, uh, Darby Todd and Dave Marks and a guy called Paul Wynn Stanley to produce. And, you know, I didn't mix it. You know, I, I, I completely trusted uh, Paul with, with the, the mix and the production because we, we talked a lot before we went down there and um, I sent him the demos and he got what the demos were and, you know, and, and, um, and so I left it in his hands, you know, he, 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 he mixed it, you know, and he sent me pretty much the final thing. You know, I didn't get involved with that, you know, because I wanted. It to, I've been doing it for so long by myself. I wanted someone else's take on it, you know, and um, and I and I really like Paul's work, so I just kind of you know let him let him let him do his business, you know, instead of me sort of like stood over his shoulder, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want that situation, and I know he wouldn't have wanted that situation. Was the part of you that wanted to get into the mixing desk? Yeah, there always is, you know. That, that, yeah, you know, I I would like to have sort of like done something like that but but paul's you know light years ahead of what i can do you know and his equipment is that you know it, it would have been crazy for me to try and do that really because um you know what i find with this pro with this project with this album is kind of like it's the first time i've had people who are hired in to help who are who can do stuff better than i can do it you know he can mix better than i can it, it's helped the whole album and that and that's definitely something i've learned with this you know if you want to do something better than you can do yourself get a good team of people in you know and, and i was lucky that i got some really nice guys in you who really wanted to help make it make it a good thing and also just down to the equipment that's there there's a lot of vintage yeah. mics and old analog gear as well definitely yeah, yeah you know, to the warmth of the sound that you're after yes 100 you know uh, like i said uh, paul's a massive sort of gear head you know he loves all these sort of like vintage you know, gear which he's got a lot of and the desk down there's amazing you know they got an amazing selection of mics so when paul saw all that stuff well he, he kind of knew the spec before he got there what they got um yeah he you know he knew exactly what he was doing and he knew exactly what mics to go for and and that definitely helps because then when he's got that stuff to mix you know he, you know he's got some really good signals you know um you know he, he didn't have to fix anything he didn't have to put drum samples on it or you know mess around with it because so many modern rock albums you know the, the drums uh, pretty much just samples you know what i mean they just you can trigger a kick drum to, to play a certain sample and it's not it sounds great but it's not real you know and, and the good thing about what i was pleased about this album is that what you hear is what was done you know there was no obviously he had to mix it and all that kind of stuff but there's no sort of samples and stuff put on top of it pretty much live from the floor 
the, the rhythm section yeah we, obviously the, like you know guitar solos and stuff had to be you know because i'm because i we played as a band you know you I, I had to play the rhythm section over where the solo would be you know but and then you do the solo after because you can't you know because there's only three piece you can't do the rhythm and the lead at the same time you know in the the notes as well he said that your songwriting has got tighter is that something you were aiming for yeah yeah well i wanted to do an album that was you know um just more concise you know the songs are more concise and, and um you know i put a lot of albums out last year i put about five albums out and um the last one was called Thunder Moon, the last of the five, and, and that was kind of instrumental music. And it was you know, some long tracks, sort of like six, seven minutes of instrumental stuff. And uh, uh, but this one I wanted to be completely different, where it was just kind of like very straightforward songs, and like, you know, cut away all the fat. So that was really important, just getting good arrangements, you know, good lyrics, and just to have them sort of tight and concise, you know. And you're going to be out on the road very shortly in a couple of months' time. You're going out with Robert John and the Wreck. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for that. That's going to be brilliant. Um, those guys are you know amazing. I've, I've, I love their stuff, so um, it's going to be really cool to, to meet those guys and, and do some dates with them. Yeah. So, have you been able to do any dates in recent weeks? Well, I did. Um, uh, what was it? Probably about three weeks ago now. Um, uh, the Love Rocks Festival, um, and that was really cool. But that was the first gig I'd done for a long time. You know, um, so it was a it was a little bit different going back out there. You know, after after a long time away. <laughs> I was going to say, how strange did it feel to get up on stage? I'll tell you what, that one was stranger than normal because I, I got Darby told to come and play drums, you know, and, and he got a guy called Lee Pomeroy who plays bass for like Yes and Rick Wakeman and, you know, sort of all sorts of guys, you know, uh, but he's an amazing bass player. And we didn't have a rehearsal, so I sent them the material. And uh, so not only was the first one I'd played in 18 months, but I was playing with the, some guys I'd never played with and not rehearsed with. <laughs> so <laughs> As you can imagine, it was kind of you know I was on the it was it was it was like tightrope walking, but those got those two are so good as a rhythm section like they they're off you know off the scale good you know Darby for example is is headlining Bloodstock with uh, Devin Townsend um in a, you know was that end of August I think or sometime in August so that's the level he's at you know he's he's, he's a monster a player you know um, so I trusted them you know I knew they'd know the stuff and they did you know so it was it was good it was a lot of adrenaline. <laughs> And this tour that you're going on, it's uh, 11 dates up and down the country. So uh, yeah. you're going to be away from home for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then and then next year it's Willie and the Bandits, and that's a six. Is that six weeks or almost a couple of months? I think. Wow. Um, so that's a, you know that's a, that's in March, April, I think. Um, so yeah, so like, so 11 days. You know that's not too, that's not too bad a run. You know that's that's a that's a nice sort of like stint that. <laughs> Well, it's been an absolute joy talking to you, and uh, I'll, I'll look forward to more releases from you. And uh, I wish you all the best for the future. Nice one, Kev. Great to speak to you, man. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.